Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? What's happening? This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. Thank you for being here. Today on the show, Aaron Draplin from Draplin Design Company. This is a guy. How do I explain this? I'm not even sure how we, uh, how we came together. I think someone said I should talk to him, and then I did a little research on him, and he seemed like an interesting character. He's, uh, he is the uh, overseer of Draplin Design Company, Mr. Aaron James Draplin. He's a self-made man. He's an obsessed man. He's obsessed with logos and design. I don't know much about design, but he speaks to people about this. He's, he's a charismatic man. He happened upon something in his design practice. Uh, these field notes, blank books, became very popular, and he designed them. And now he's got this whole racket going. And, and I wanted to learn a little bit about design. I've been a little fascinated with design here and there. I read a book about this guy who um, invented planned obsolescence. I was sort of obsessed from that point on. What was this guy's name? Was it Brooks Stevens? Yes, Brooks Stevens. I became sort of obsessed with the idea of planned obsolescence. And I believe he was the guy that figured that out. He was an industrial designer. Now, I don't know if Draplin is an industrial designer. He's a, he could be. But anyways, there was things about design that I was fascinated about and I knew nothing about. And uh, I called this, uh, I emailed or tweeted at or somehow got in touch with uh, Aaron Draplin and we talked and uh, I found him to be a compelling individual. And uh, when I was up in Portland a while back, him and I sat at the headquarters of Draplin Design Company and we talked it out. And, uh, and that's what's on the show today. You can go to draplin.com and see the stuff. He did my poster. We did a poster for the show. He's like, he's an all-around design guy. He's got patches and posters and these field notebooks and combs. And yeah, you got to go. It's hard to explain. He's got a little design empire. And uh, you'll hear him talk about it in just a few minutes. What else is going on? There's a couple of things going on, actually. Um, Was uh, looking at an empty deck with a few sad Ikea chairs that were in tremendous um, disrepair just because the finish was off and they just looked old and uh and i expressed some interest in getting new patio furniture then you go look at new patio furniture and there's all these sets and things and umbrellas and then i thought why don't we why don't i just put a picnic table out there just like a classic picnic table like a cheap fucking 
just a regular old standard picnic table out on my deck. And uh, my girl Sarah, the painter, for my birthday, bought me a pine-assembled, unfinished picnic table. Just a fucking, you know, the kind that you're like, hey, is that a place to eat on the side of the road? Yeah, there's a picnic table there. Well, now, when I walk out of my house, I'm like, is there a place to eat on my deck? Oh, shit, look, there's just a picnic table there. So now I have a picnic table. We painted it red, stained it red, because that's what picnic tables are in my in my mind. So now it's just like it's like camping at one of those places where you don't have to you don't have to eat on the ground. My deck is now a campground where I don't have to sit on the floor in my tent. I can just sit at my picnic table. I know it's not really camping, but it's all I can handle. So here's the deal. We're still checking out some of the old Lauren discussions that, uh, that I've had on the show. Uh, hopefully these will give uh, some context uh, to my upcoming interview with uh, the Buddha, the Lorne, the devil, whatever you want to call him, whatever I've, I've thought all those things. Now, the thing about this clip, this is me and Jason Sudeikis. This is from episode 205 back in 2011. And I think it's around the first time I felt like it was becoming necessary uh, to have Lorne Michaels on the show. All right, so this is me and Sudeikis. And I'm tentative. You should, you can hear in the clip, but obsessed. Always obsessed. So this is me and Jason Sudeikis from uh, episode 205 in 2011. You know, like, I like I keep feeling like a, uh, the more people I talk to from that show yeah. on this show, I feel like I'm circling Lorne. Like, there's part of me. Like you I, Oh, to be on here? Yeah. I, I mean, I'll, say, I'll definitely say something. Dude, because like I, I just wrote Jimmy. Yeah. Because like I've had this weird story with him, and like with Jimmy or with Lauren. With Lauren. Yeah, yeah. No, I've heard it. Yeah, of course. You know, and, and I feel like he brought me in there to teach me a lesson. Mm-hmm. And now, like you know, I want him to do it again. Yeah. Like I, I want him. Yeah. To, I, I would like him to feel that. Like, would whatever. you, go, would you go to him? Sure. Yeah. I'd like him to feel that he would never come to this oh, fucking. No, play. I know. No. <laughs> No, I'd like him to feel that whatever I'm doing, that whatever recognition I have... I mean, there's no room in here for the throne. I mean, I know, I know that. In my mind, I believe he would think like, you know, like, well, Marin's back and he's doing a thing and... But it's really nothing. You know, like I, I want him. There's, there's part of me that yeah. wants him to like to have that attitude and let me sit with him for an hour. I, I mean, I, I would, I would. Uh, you don't I, have to I coach would. him on the attitude, but if you can put it in his ear, no, that'd no, be amazing. I would, I would absolutely uh, in, in, encourage him to do so. I think, I think he's, uh, he's fascinating. He's, I, he's, I think that there's part of me that thinks like he, he would want to. Uh, I. I I because uh... I know he's pretty private. And he doesn't talk to many people, and I know that like you know I've had a lot of people from the show on yeah mm-hmm. certainly from your generation i've had mm-hmm. hater yes, i've yes, had armison i've had seth mulaney I know, i've had you i've yep. had mulaney and amy, i know amy i mean amy yep and fallon and, yes, I, and I know a lot of people um mm. listen to it over there yeah i just like that's what highly regarded throughout all circles stand-up improv i mean yeah. it's it, it's it's yeah. I t- it, god if we could pull that off like I don't know, like if 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 he would even remember me, but I I know that because I did Conan so I much, he, and that because I, I auditioned for the show, he's that... he's 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 remarkably sharp. That guy gives a damn. Like no, that's I know, what, that's I know. that's one that's one of the things. Like he's there. Yeah. Like, he. I mean, it's not like it's not a it's not a, a emeritus a executive producer emeritus whatsoever. That, that I mean, that dude is it's his show. Like you 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 know that going in. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why if you get mad, you're you're mad about something that you're doing. Uh, probably yeah. not something he's doing because you're only there because of him. Well, well, Every okay. Saturday. Well, yeah. let, let me know what happens. Yeah. I'll remind you. Uh, yeah, yeah, please. I, I, you won't have to. I mean, when I see him, I'll go, wow. I'm, 
So I'm supposed to do something I don't want to do. Oh, right. Ask him if he wants to do the podcast. No. <laughs> well, no, I, no. I don't know how you would ask I'm him. Playing. No, it I, would, me, me, I have a very, like me, I just, I, I, I ask him things. I, like, like, oh, I mean, I think you should tell him I did it. And, you know, do you, have you listened oh, to course. it? Like, you know, start off like that. Yeah, please get, help me. Help yeah. me. No, I know what to do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that works there, you know. <laughs> so that was more than four years ago. Crazy. And it's finally happened. And I'm sorry to say, I guess you'll have to wait. And find out uh, if he really did put me in my place or, or, or he didn't. Or if he even remembered our meeting. All questions will be answered. For me. Maybe. But I'll, you're, it's coming. It's definitely coming. So here's, here's what I want to talk about. Um, I had sort of a shitty experience. Last night. Watching uh, the Amy Schumer special that was recorded. I believe they broadcast it live from the Apollo on October 17th. Now, I generally don't watch other comics, you know, unless they're good friends. Mine, I love Amy, but I just don't make it a habit because I want to keep my head clean. And as you know, I just taped uh, an hour plus special in Chicago at the Vic Theater. That was back on uh, June 6th. I taped it. I'd been working that material for about a year. My special will be uh, released uh, on Epics in December. I'm very proud of the special. I was very excited about it. I thought I did a good job. I planned. I prepared. I, you know, I have, uh, you know, there's callbacks in it. It's a theater hour, an honest to God theater hour after my last special, Thinky Pain, uh, which was a club hour, a loose club hour. I wanted to do a tight theater hour. I came pretty close and I'm excited for you to see it. But I'm, I turned on Schumer's special, and I love Schumer, but I wanted to see what the, you know, what the stand-up's looking like and how she's doing, because I, you know, I talked to her years ago in here before she was, uh, you know, the big uh, comedy star that she is now, and I'm watching the special, and I'm liking it. I'm having a good time. I like her. I like Dirty. I like uh, her shamelessness, and then she sets up a bit. She, she does a little bit, and it's a lot like one of my bits. And the thing is, like, I didn't even think that she took it. And I knew I didn't take it from her. It's just one of these things we deal with as comedians. It's like, well, that premise is a lot like the premise I got. And the fucked up thing about it was that the premise I do that's similar to Schumer's. I mean, you would never think that Amy Schumer and me would be similar. But it was actually a part of my uh, my hour. That was a little bit of a departure for me. I was going to get a little dirty again. And I did. Because I wanted to flex those muscles, but there was a similarity there, and it just it just hit me in the gut because because of the day and age we live in now, all of a sudden it's sort of like oh no, too similar, and it's really literally like maybe thirty seconds. It's just a premise, but it is a a a defined premise. It's not that unusual. It's not like it was necessarily an inventive thing it's an observational piece of comedy but it's a little crass but as i said didn't think either of us stole the joke or the premise but i thought well what if people think that and then that sort of weird fear comes in and you're like what am i gonna have to manage what kind of shit's coming gonna come at me for that and amy just went through some shit herself over stuff that was not true and it's just the garbage culture we live in of talentless policing of people who do things as a means to sort of 
get traction and cause trouble. The troll culture. And it's diminishing and it's frightening. And it, it may, like I had this moment where I'm like, I'm not going to fucking even record comedy anymore. I don't have to. I just do the podcast. I go co- perform my comedy, but I don't have to put it on tape to be scrutinized. Fuck it. It's not worth it anymore in troll garbage culture where people that do nothing but troll can hurt other people or try to destroy them. But that was the fear. That was the feeling. The way we used to handle it is the way I handled it. I watched her special. I texted her. I said, Amy, great special. It's really funny. But, I, you know, I got a bit that's a lot like one of your bits. And uh, I just, you know, now I'm all panicky. And she texted back, hey, it's, you know, parallel thinking happens sometimes. <laughs> They'll probably blame me. And I'm like, it's not about blame. I just feel shitty. And these things happen. But she's like, well, it's cool. We can talk about it next time I come on the show because I'd asked her to come back because she's one of these guests that had this tremendous success since I've talked to her. And I think I don't repeat guests, but I I asked her to come back a couple weeks ago and I go, great. okay, well, fun special. And then uh, and that was that. So it was just never a thought. And I mean, the fact is, is that it, it is what it is. Her special came out first. But in that moment. Because of the world we live in now, it was like, ugh, fuck. What are the odds? What are the fucking odds? It's just what happens. We're all drawn from the same fucking reality. But it's it's not a good feeling. And it's sort of um, sad to me that my thought, my first thought was, you know, not she stole it or I stole it, which did not happen. But like, what's the point of putting comedy out there in the world in a recorded fashion for idiots to disassemble it was just it was yeah and, and i and i believed it but again if you're a little dirty you talk a little dirty you're probably going to talk dirty like somebody else who talks dirty it's it's all funny so right now people uh i'm excited for you to hear this, this is sort of a, a an off beat uh conversation for me a little out of my wheelhouse, uh, but I uh, but I love this guy. I love the Aaron Draplin from Draplin Design Company, and uh, and he's a sweet guy. And we had a nice chat. So let's uh, let's do this now. This is I did this in Portland a little while. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. We'll go. Uh, we're walking and talking. So this is uh, what, what? What is the title? What is the name of this operation? 
Draplin Design Company, Portland, Oregon. Draplin Design Company, Portland, Oregon. This is the corner where the guitars are. Right. This is my cockpit where I work and books and treasures and guitars and, you know, computers and things. Look at those guitars, dude. You're a, you're a guitar player. Well, that's, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. I learn a song, I forget a song. Pretty simple. But can you, can you jam when necessary? It's pretty much kind of by my lonesome, uh-huh. but no, know, every I, now and again. Yeah, I, yeah. That's how I roll, and that's a little Fender amp. Well, 54 Champ amp. That's a, a real 54 Champ? Yeah. When I made it, that's one of the first things I bought. Was it real 54 Tweed Champ? Yeah, it was a lot of money. You know, I splurged, and you can buy those reissues, but I went and bought, I got a real No, one. I just got a 65. I saw it. And now we move over here, and this is where you have uh, merch. Mm-hmm. All the shipping. This is where we do all the shipping. For Everything's the, done from here. Well, not Field Notes. Field Notes is done out of Chicago. But here, all the draplin design stuff, pencils, trinkets, uh, coin purses, beanies, hats, that's all shipped out of here. Mm-hmm. And you don't live here. No, no, no. You live in but a house. I, I spend a lot of time. Sure. I live in a home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's walk over here. you got an anvil. I have an anvil. Just Been a restored. Remi- that's a what? Been restored. Really? A restored anvil. Mm-hmm. And these are all the Field Notes. And the, oh, look, here's some... Uh, some logos for things for you. Little, little cards to say thank you to people when we when we fill the orders. Patches. Patches. Yeah. Field notes, buttons, trinkets, combs. You got a good head of hair. Why don't you take a comb? Yeah. We call this the, ho- <laughs> the yeah. hair organizer. I like it. It's a little comb. It's gonna, I don't know if it's going to work for me. Got the space shuttle. Got T-shirts. Come over here. I'll show you where everything's. Uh, we keep all the all the stock. Where? So, well, okay. This is my. So I have two partners here. Yeah. We have, we have John Femister and yeah. David Nakamoto, and this is how we look out over Portland here. Yeah. We've been here about six, seven years. Right. I I work with these guys. We watch over each other, but we don't really like this. Me and this guy in the corner. Yeah. We made sure that we are as far apart diagonally as possible. But he works for you. No, no, no. They work on their own projects. We just watch over each other, sort of financially. Oh, you know? okay. They have their projects. They work on a bunch of Giro helmets and shit. And yeah. then they have their side of the... Gen- so I have my side, and I move an inch a month yeah. right into their space. Right. Slowly. And then one day you're going to be like, fellas, th- the time is oh, coming. Oh, my God. If I hit it big, I'm going to forget those guys first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah at yeah. the top of the list. Oh, How'd yeah. you choose them to work well, with Well, we all worked together at a little space in town here called Cinco Design. Okay. And we all jumped out, worked on our own, yeah. out, of our, out of our basements. Mm-hmm. And that got a little, we just, I didn't have space. So we mm-hmm. all came together to kind of watch, because there's strength in numbers. You know, the idea that we're sort of watching over each other's, you know, invoices and things. And then it's better to have eyes on all of our projects. So whatever I'm working on, Dave comes over and checks out. So you trust these guys? Oh, they're, they're brothers of mine. Right. We've been together now seven years in this shop. I've been buddies since I got to Portland in, like, 2002. Uh-huh. 2000, yeah, 2000. yeah. So, so they're, they're your guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, this is all very exciting. and A lot of boxes, a lot of merch, but this part of your operation, there's no reason for you to outsource the, uh, the merch operation because that's part of what well, you someone do. Someone else gets the cut then. Let's no. go sit down. Okay. and Where are we going to sit down and do this? In Over your here. corner? Am I, am I supposed to add, where's a Where's a spot where I say to you, why, why are you here? What is going on? Why am I freaked out? Here's the thing, Aaron. I, I'll tell you why I'm here and why you're here and why we're both here. Uh, you come very well recommended by people that love you. You do a thing that is uniquely your own. You seem to be a character. You made a poster for me. Uh, I, uh, you know, I didn't know who you were, even though you accosted me at an airport in a very mm-hmm. polite way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you were a fan. And I remember that. But at that time, I had no idea. And I think you actually uh, tweeted that you you met me, and then people were like, "You guys gotta." And I'm like, "I don't know who that guy is." Right, right, right. 
And then uh, I did a little research. I thought you were just one of these poster artist fellows uh -huh. who I've, I've come in contact with. Yeah. But no, you, you, you run this small self-made empire yeah. of design and manufacturing. <laughs> and people have a lot of respect for you. And, oh, wow. and, I, and I, I did a little research and you seem to be uh, an, an obsessive character that, that yeah. gets a lot of... Like when I watched that video of you going through your drawers, when you held up certain logos, yeah. Yeah. You, it was as if you just took a hit of crack. Like that, you would say you would take a logo and you went, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you 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 had a thrill that it did something to your mind and heart. Yeah, that it there does. was it does. That's why I'm here. Okay, and okay. and I and I'm I want. I'm just a little freaked out, man, because I listen. I listen to this stuff. I've been, sure. it's been a number of years. Well, that, well don't you don't know? judge yourself against any of the other interviews. They're all I know different. There's, there's some uh, yeah. big ones, but this is where the the podcast takes a slump and might need that after what you've Isn't, been going through. There's no slump involved. Okay. I have, I'm just setting it up, man. I don't want to let you're, anyone what you're, down. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're telling people to lower their expectations. Sure, and okay, I'm, yeah. You are an artist, and you are a man that's made something of himself <laughs> in, in a very specific world. You're wearing a hat that, that has your logo on it. Oh, yeah. That's not yeah. nothing. <laughs> I know. See, it gets bigger. Yeah. You know, it's, it, this, what's so fun about this is when people you know, say that, you know, how many people work for you? And it, it's, it's me. You know, I, I do all the design, you know, from, from, uh, 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 you know, from landing the job yeah. all the way up to, uh, you know, settling, settling all the, all the invoices mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, making the client happy. Now, in other situations, there's a lot of bureaucracy and hierarchy and things. That's any little design shop. Mm -hmm. I did that for a couple of years. And it wasn't necessarily it was bad. It just wasn't for me. But let's go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go back to like, so where people, how do people know you? Well, probably through field notes. Now, these are the yeah. books. Yeah, these are little memo books that I make. Now, yeah. now let's go. We get, make, a, a whole staff makes these things out of Chicago. But this caught yeah. on. Yeah. Caught how on. did that happen? Okay. Well, I mean, I'm from Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. I'm from Michigan. And going all the way, you know, from Michigan to Portland uh, and going junkin', right? Antique malls, flea markets. You know, my dad there, that's, uh, 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 you know, he trained me. This is, this is Jim Draplin. Still Pol around? No, 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 no. Sorry. About as dead as it gets. Oh, he, but still with us in every one of your molecules right now, Jim Drapa. This is the this is the fucking fucking. We can swear all we want sure. this thing, yeah, right? Of sure, I know your deal, yeah. right, right, right. That was the blue light special champion of participating Kmart stores in Northern Michigan, right there. That's the guy, Jim Drapa, my dad, right. So growing up, we came, you know, uh, uh, you know, Polish pack rat. Uh -huh. His joke was he always wanted one of everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And and. He taught us how to pull the vines back in Detroit, and we'd find these old signs. Yeah. Now those old signs are worth two and three thousand. So he's bucks. a junker. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that that quality of uh, he sold the stuff. No, no, no. He was a, he was industrial tool salesman. But he just, he just loved stuff. Uh -huh. He loved the tactile quality. He loved the little logo. He loved the charm. All of our furniture and stuff. Yeah. That was stuff that he found dead in antiques. You know, antique stores. What was his would prize? Clean up piece a, a roll top desk was one of the big ones some coca-cola <laughs> stuff maybe his children he had three kids one of each that's what you'd yeah, say right yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and he so, was funny as shit yeah so funny. you so you're driving with your pop going yeah. and he's showing you how to do stuff well you know you'd, you'd see a you'd see a garage sale sign yeah and he'd start in on you and say hey this could be the one what's it it's 1987 i'm into skateboards yeah he'd say this is the one with 
a box of skateboards. I said, no, no. He said, you never know. Yeah. And then we had to go. I never found shit yeah. all those years. But we went to all these things. He dragged my grandma, all of us. And I have all these funny stories, but that's that was planted in me. And then when I would drive out west as a youngster, yeah. I'd go junk, you know, because yeah. what people do for fun on the road, I don't know, you yeah. know. And I would make the time. I'd find these little memo books. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking, have you ever been to a farm sale? No. Oh, it's the saddest thing in the world. People are rifling through things. You've yeah. been doing a in a state sale. You yeah. A state yeah. Sale. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, when you go to like a little old lady who's selling off the farm, and you're digging through her drawers, and you find a stack from yeah. her husband of these memo books that he lived and died in. There's a lot of ghosts there, and that's where these little memo books came from. I would I would collect those things, hoard those things. I've got about a thousand of them filled. Filled with people's handwriting and stuff. I mean, what this were they was, doing on the memo books? Was it just a, a coincidence that you found all these, or was this specific no, I mean, to it's, it's farm sort of, sale? Or? Yeah, it's sort of the currency of the agrarian landscape. Okay. Right? And these old timers always had this shit in their pockets, right? So they so, would write what in it? Lore, farm notes, uh, seed stuff. You know, oh, and they yeah, were, yeah. these were giveaways. Right. So all my life growing up, I always had something in my pocket. And I'd build my own books. I would make my own. I would, uh, uh, you know. How old draw. are we talking? Oh, God, when I was, I mean, since I can remember. I mean, I was, you know, I got a book deal, right? So I've, I've been going through all my stuff. I have journals going back until I was about 12. Really? Yeah, yeah. And then I reread all the shit from when I left out west. Crying when you leave your mom and dad. I was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And I documented all that shit. I don't know what that was in me that was, you know, fearful mm-hmm. of not wanting to capture it but yeah I, I, I caught a lot of it right yeah so that idea of always having something to draw on at all times i get fidgety when it's not right here right you know because not only uh uh is it about like um you know collecting little you know, last night your show i your ticket stub dean's little ticket stub yeah. was in there you know his yeah. little his little uh, uh bmx sticker he gave me it's a way to you know protect things but any idea i have that's where it goes. That's how the old timers did it for the last hundred years. Well, that's how I used to do. Like I always had a notebook or a napkin. Like right now, I'm like, what if he says something and I got to bring it back around and I don't have a piece of paper with me? Can I have a field book? Let me just. I'm gonna put this down. Yeah. I'm gonna change your life. Okay. <laughs> now everything is post, pre, post. Now it's time to get some field notes. Okay. Okay. What we're gonna do is I'm gonna give you a wood one. This a wood? Cool. Look at. Oh, see that. That's a piece of wood. That's an actual piece of wood? Yeah, yeah. All right, so now... Northern Wisconsin, they soak it overnight. Yeah. It gets sheared off. Yeah. They adhere it to basically brown paper bag. Right. That gets all, you know, stamped on, and then you can print on the stuff. So this is like, I've seen these around, and this is you. Yeah. So this was inspired... You with the big asterisk. Mm Mm-hmm. Me and, and Jim Kudal... Uh, my, 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 my mentor, my, my older brother, who, you know, I made a big stack of them here in town because I couldn't find ones I liked. Everything you'd go see in some, okay. Like a moleskin? No, I don't use the M word around the shop. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm with But you. I saw those fuckers over in Italy. And my first time I went there was for a client. With the little band around. And I bought like 500 bucks worth because I never thought I'd go back to Italy, right? right? But you loved them. They were great. I used, you know, I used them for a couple years. Yeah. And then I made my own. It's just as simple as that. Right here in Portland. And then, you know... That first making, you know, I hand screen printed them, like your posters and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I hand did them. You know, you put staples and you cut the corners and all the stuff. Like, I owned every little piece of it. Gave those to buddies. They ate them up a couple hundred. Mm-hmm. And then I made 2,000. Gave a stack to Jim Kudal out in Chicago. Jim What's he do? Oh, what doesn't he do? I mean, he's just this incredible sort of entrepreneur. But sort of design, a yeah. little bit of web, an incredible website going 15 years now, yeah. just incredible links and weird things. These are guys that figured out how to you know, take your, remember your old uh, Macintosh uh, 
keyboards. Mm-hmm. They washed it in a dishwasher to get all the hair and shit. Because I'll tell you right now, if you go scrape that keyboard, mm-hmm. you will get a wild assortment of shit. Sure, man. You could populate a whole city block with sure. some of the. No, it's no, like primordial. Soup. I don't want to get into it. Sure. But yeah. uh, remember how much hair and shit sure. would be in those things? Yeah. They washed it. So they're just these really creative, weird. What they do with them once they wash them? Well, they just wanted to go test it. Mm-hmm. But they'd make these wonderful videos mm-hmm. and have beautiful type, beautiful ideas, and you know it wasn't. You didn't have to sign up for this shit. So I was a fan of these little sort of like, you know, skits and things. Mm-hmm. And then they have clients, but they've never really talked about really what they do. Jim's whole mantra was basically, if a client doesn't teach us something, why are we going to be involved? It doesn't matter how much money you and make. He's a design firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, Kudal Partners is yeah. what it's called. So I gave a stack to this guy who I was looking up to. Right. And he knew my shit. This right. is about 2005, 2004. And then next thing I know, you know, we have a website. We have people interested He's got all these tech people that he knows because he, you know, he's a big keynote speaker at South by Southwest. Sure. All, the, all the tech side of things, and it it explodes. And before you know it, you know it's a real company. Draplin you know, Design. It's a real deal. You can find them in men's stores. And when I go in those fucking men's stores, I first thing I say with some numb nut behind the counter, I go, "Which way to the big and tall section?" Mm-hmm. And you got this guy who the fuck's got a twenty-eight inch waist? I mean, really? Yeah. And I freak them all out, and I'll just walk out. But they carry our field notes. Yeah. Places that hate, so five hundred dollars of pairs of jeans. Yeah, that's bullshit. I get my jeans at a little place in the U.S. outdoor store for thirty-five bucks. Sure, like farmers. But they carry a field note. Oh, they carry our field notes. Yeah, we fill a lot of holes. I like to say. Yeah, in between all the expensive shit. You know? Right. Yeah. So when did you like? I understand your dad was a junker and he yeah. was a, a pack rat and he had an appreciation for uh, for for. It seems like. There's a nostalgia to design, sure. to, to sure. not to design, but to your interest. Yeah, that that it represents something that has uh, integrity, and that yeah. has uh, staying power. Simpler, simpler ways. Right, but of it, but things, like yeah. it feels to me that when you see a logo, you're like, this is stand, this stands the test of time. Yeah, even yeah. if you don't remember what it was, you can yeah. take just the shell of it. Well, yeah. When did that start? Well, I think since I was a little kid, you know, this idea of like, you know, when you get the first taste of California. BMX skateboarding you get to see things get like cool you get to see things be manufactured somewhere and then sold to a bunch of peckerheads in Michigan and everyone's got Ocean Pacific up and down there you know you remember sure, I remember that? OP of yeah. course I had the shorts sure okay. I had the shorts I had the shirt had the, so, maybe the I mean, shoes some kind of a hat or something I'm not a big hat guy okay, but yeah well, maybe but I remember OP was a big <laughs> deal this idea that the first time you really start to recognize the power of a logo on a t-shirt mm-hmm. you know and then you step back and you see how that's used around us in northern Michigan, which is basically on feed and seeds, like good old boys, you know, representing, I don't know, Artie Cat snowmobiles and shit, mm-hmm. you know, or representing wherever they go buy their feed and seed, right? Now, those, all those promotional items, those are things that were just giveaways to keep guys buying, you know, seed and shit. Sure, but it was like, it's really a, a it is a context of the completely, reality. Completely lacking all sort of pretension. Mm-hmm. It was just to say, here's our stuff. Mm-hmm. So, okay, now I see skateboarding and art and culture and all the cool stuff, but I'm, I'm, I'm tempered around my dad, who's, you know, sells industrial tooling where it is completely no bullshit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about the tool. Yeah. Here's the graphic, and it works. Right. And the package is probably still in my dad's garage, right, yeah, all yeah. these years later. Yeah. Now, that kind of functionality, that's not what existed when I finally got my shot to go learn how to be a graphic designer. Right. It was about fashion. It was about what's the latest, hottest, bullshittest thing. You know, right, right, right? right? No integrity. Well, no, 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 no. It just, because I wouldn't throw all those guys when you call under the bus. Or I, no, it's more like I just like things that my dad could enjoy. Yeah. 
and I was in too. Because there's always a leap from us to like your parents, and they didn't understand all this highfalutin post postmodern bullshit, right? Right. But there's something about their generation, there's something about even the idea of an industrial tool where it's sort of like you're gonna buy one of these. Yeah. And it's gonna and last it works. you. And you it have works. to save for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you know, you you can pass that on to your kid. Yeah. So what you got passed down was this 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 compulsive fascination and yeah, belief in 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 the 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 long lasting nature of of something that 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 is built to work perhaps yeah well and then and you know and what you see is you just see this beauty to it because listen okay. when I have to think about it then it's designed yeah now these guys they weren't designing to be ironic right to be cool to sell shit to sell jeans, to sell this, to sell records, any of this kind of stuff. It was just meant to work. That is what I try to mine from my work, this beautiful quality of undesignedness. I don't yeah. know what you even well, call what, it. Like, what, what, what are some of your favorites? Like, Do you like the Levi's tag? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It goes back 115, 120 years. Love that, right? I just like things that are iconic and didn't get fucked with, right? What was the first one when you were a kid where you were like, that's... Fucking. Bicentennial logo. I can remember. I was telling you last night. I can remember that all the way back because there was this geometry. You have it tattooed on your yeah. calf. Oh, you should have seen me laying there. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. You a tattoo guy? No. I got a couple. Yeah. But, you know, it's you all very- You have the bicentennial one. Yeah, it's very out of- Well, that's my favorite logo, you know? And I remember, you know, my dad explained to me, you know, mm. 10 rings, 20 years of ring, 200 years worth of 200. I was, I was tiny. Then you see it on the space shuttle and then it goes away. And it's gone, gone, gone. But what, I think what sad. fascinated you was there was a whole code to it that it had to be demystified. Everything had a reason well, that behind the we design. We used to celebrate America. Yeah. We used to celebrate it. Sure. I mean, 1776. Yeah. You know, what is it? Carter? You know, mm -hmm. it's, it, it, uh, they're coming off of Nixon. Mm -hmm. Everyone's cynical. I was three. I don't know. I don't know. But it was like, here's this 200-year thing. And it was a big nationwide party. And one designer... Bruce Blackburn with these Chermayoff uh, guys and our guys, whatever, about New York City, they build this mark that represents America. Like, what do we have when we go across wherever? Mm -hmm. When you go to Canada, their flag is incredible. I mean, I love our American flag, but this logo signified for me growing up America, but it was gone. You know, all through the, uh, you know, I don't know. It was, it, after I saw it in the space shuttle, the next time I saw it was on the guitar of one of the Mercury Rev guys. Uh -huh. You know, I was like, what the hell was that? And then, you know, <laughs> yeah, you remember those guys? Yeah. Fucking, I, I, got, all, I got all the records. Yeah. But I saw it there. I went and started looking because that's when I was really getting into, you know, well, design it about 91, 92, you know, and found it and then found Paul Rand. And Saul Bass. These are the fucking pillars of, of logo design. But, like, Lowry Salt, Bell Telephone, AT&T, the classics from 1960s and shit. And that thing still works in 2015. So this is, what, 25 years ago, my first sort of inkling of this stuff was like, wow, these are things that you find at, like, garage sales. They're junk. But that logo's great. It still works. So mm -hmm. you see what I'm saying? I did. Now, and then, then I was being dipped in the wildness of the 90s. Ray Gun. When you're growing up, you Yeah, mean? yeah. Like, you know, all the cool things. You know, guys set in fucking... Remember Reagan Magazine? You yeah, know, where they had, sure. You know, uh, sure. Damage this and David Carson's and stuff, this stuff. Was that, was that Gary Panther? 
I was, don't know. No, no, he was. He was. A, it's he's a cool an artist. name, though, right? He was in the raw. I, I think, used to have raw, a dog named raw. Gary. Right. Yeah. You oh, yeah. Had a dog named Gary. No, I, I, I meet less and less Garys now. Gary's at out. That I name's think. gone its way out, man. Yeah, it didn't hold up well, like the AT&T logo. I have theories about that shit. Gary, Barry, Larry. These names just kind of make you shudder. Sure. Well, there's Harry. I don't think there's a lot of gyms around anymore. There's, there's a, not a lot of gyms. Yeah, it's just like it, I just it, met a kid named Frank on my tour. Good. Thank Frank. God. There's a he few Franks. He's about twenty-five years old. Like now, everyone's named cute names yeah like, yeah jesse uh, ethan yeah shit. Ethan smart names and uh, uh other like uh buffalo maybe <laughs> twig and shit yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah all right and, so okay, yeah. so young aaron james draplin yeah 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 is uh is is starting to realize like these logos represent things that are bigger than us there's almost yeah. a, a mystical spiritual element to them well no i, I think what i, what I come on about it, no 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 was okay. that it was corporate and there's a big word because remember, you know, in America though that represents spiritual, mystical. Well, sure, fucking hey. Right? Well, <laughs> yeah. there, you know, in those '90s where you know you have a Nirvana come and just yeah. shake everything. Yeah, that's, that's the year I got out of high school. So that that that's, right. that's starting that fall. I'm starting college. Yeah, never mind hits. So what do we have just a year before that? Hair metal. Yeah. Right. Right. And we didn't have that. We were raised on punk rock. You were. And, oh yeah. You know, I my mom uh, uh, raised us on. Uh, well, Joni Mitchell's, Neil sure. Young's, and but but she had the MC5 record with the motherfucker on the With no irony to it. With no, like she, she got it when it came them. out. My mom went and saw the you Stooges. Were, she went and saw the, the MC5, Bobby Seeger. This is what we come from. You grew up in Detroit. I was born in Detroit. But she grew up in Detroit. Yeah, mom and dad were, were, were Detroit kids. Mom was Livonia. Uh, and, and dad was, was uh, uh, you know, Detroit, yeah. Dearborn, and my Polish grandmother, you know, it was just, you know, these are incredible people. My, my Irish grandmother, you know, out in uh, uh, Wixom and all this bullshit, you know, away from Detroit. And then my, my grandma, who was the, one of the last holdouts in her little neighborhood, this whole Polish lady. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, my, my dad would go down every other week. So he would, he would be down there for a week and work. And then we would go down for summers. So we spent a lot of time in Detroit. Pierogies? Oh yeah, come on! Yeah. Put a hurt on that shit. Post right. kitchen down in Hamtramck, sure. Yeah, that's yeah. where that's yeah. what you're brought up on. Yeah. I'm, I'm half Polish. It's debatable what parts. Sure, but half. And uh, uh, you know, we had that. You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's like uh, I have a weird talk about mysticism. Like I, I have a weird quality about Detroit because that's where I'm from. You know, going back. You were born and, there. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. But, but it's like then four years old, we go up to northern Michigan, mm-hmm. middle of nowhere, because mom and dad couldn't take it because it was rough. You know, my mom, my dad, my dad would tell stories about painting mm-hmm. and looking across the city and seeing the smoke burning from the riots. Mm-hmm. That's what they grew up around. That's four miles or five miles down Woodward or whatever, right? Yeah. You know, imagine growing up and having that shit going down just a couple miles away. Right. You know, and these weird dividing lines. They got out of there. So we were four. We moved to you know, northern Michigan. So I grew up in a town where I had 30 kids in my class. Small. Tiny. But your mom had Neil Young. Yeah. MC5. So the MC5 yeah. blew your, how old? Your five-year-old I would, mind? I would, I would have, no, no, no. I wouldn't have heard that. I would have been hearing a lot of Jackson Brown and shit during those years. Yeah. Without, you know, but the idea that I would, you know, I heard it when I was about 15. Oh. Because, you know, I found punk rock. Yeah. And she went and dug this thing out. She's like, and she explained to me, this says motherfucker on the inside. You know? Yeah. So, you know, I just have to say it. You know, my parents are cool. Yeah. I had cool. Listen, I listened to your shit. Yeah. Last summer, you know, after we lost Pops, you know, and listened to you that we were in, we were driving home. Yeah. I lost my shit. Listen, you lose your shit with your dad. Mm. I know that people come up to you and tell you this stuff. 
So I'm I'm kind of freaking out right now because that's how I know you yeah. these weird connections yeah. you know and I you know I talk about my dad I, I kind of lose it but I, I'm not gonna I'm gonna be a fucking professional for this but I was raised we didn't have any beefs you know yeah like maybe we used to fight he used to want me to to mow the fucking lawn right. diagonally yeah and, sure. then, and then you do the other way like right. Tiger Stadium right. we'd fight over that shit not horizontal I wasn't gonna do it like that not horizontal that, that's that's the height of our brawls so I had this mom and dad who were liberal and cool and it was never ever about don't drink and don't fight and don't whatever you yeah. know, they told us they guided us yeah. but you know I'm a teetotaler yeah. to this day pretty much every yeah. now and again I lose my shit right. but I was I was raised around that you know yeah. they were cool you know everything that we had we sort of uh, you know my dad would find, like, all the molding in our house, yeah. he dug that shit out of, like, old crack houses in Detroit and stuff. That's what I was raised around, seeing piece by piece. Because I never really knew that they didn't have a lot. There's some rough winners there. Yeah. I just never really knew because we had, you know, love and Legos and yeah. art shit and yeah. mom and dad around. What'd your mom do? Raised us. Uh-huh. But she's, uh, she would, um, for a couple of years there, she was doing some sort of, like, I mean, she raised us. Yeah, you know, it was in a small town. I'm, you know, me and my sister. But Sarah no painters or no, you know, a little, little bit of basket weaving. Oh yeah, but creative. Yeah, you know, creative. Right, creative. These are creative yeah. people. Right. And then also, um, you know, like like collectors. Uh huh. So all this, you know, we had all this cool stuff. Like they had an eye for these things before us. That's what our house was outfitted with: old stained glass, and all sorts of little figurines and shit. That's you know what thirty, forty years later is worth a lot of cash. Yeah. And my parents, that's what they did for fun before us. See, they waited to have us until they were thirty. Uh-huh. That was that was kind of unheard of back then. Yeah, you know, you're supposed to be twenty when you have a kid, right? Right. Back in right. nineteen yeah, what, yeah, seventy yeah. or whatever. Um, but they waited, and then my dad, my dad used to get himself fired from his steelworker job so he can go skiing and veil. Jim Drapplin. Yeah. My dad claimed that for one quarter, he'd get his arm up in the fucking vending machine and empty the whole goddamn thing and feed all the dudes, right? Yeah. Until he got his arm caught one time. That was one of his great stories. So I was <laughs> raised around this, like, fight for the little guy. Yeah. Before you take the big hook. Yeah. Deal with all the little hooks. Don't buy anything you can't afford, this kind of shit. Yeah. That's what we were raised around. You know? yeah. So I had great examples of that stuff. And then my dad going ape shit. You know, and just kind of going, let's just get one. You want it? Let's buy it. Yeah. Don't tell your mom. Skateboard decks, yeah. records, yeah. things. Yeah. And then, I'm, you know, with my mom, great memories. I'm, you know, making the book, mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I'm finding little things that I have, and I found a receipt for my mom taking me to this little town and buying me pads for my BMX bike, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I remember this. I was like eight or nine. I'll never get rid of that. So is that nostalgic? Or do I even need that paper? Fuck it. I got room. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it. You know what I mean? I just found it. Why yeah. do I even have that? Yeah. So we were because re- now when we lost dad, yeah, you know, my dad used to call me. He'd say, "Aaron, I'm in the garage. Guess what I find?" I said, "What's that, dad?" And he'd say, "I found a wall." A wall? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> You're the guy who writes comedy. It's fucking funny. He found a wall. So we're tearing apart my dad's empire, you know. And one by one, all these pieces. There's stuff that has value. There's things that he just he collected toucans or what do you call them like a, like a parrot yeah you know or something he just liked stuffed parrots he's yeah 40 of the fucking things yeah but he just loved ephemera uh-huh. and things and bric-a-brac so you see how i yeah. you know this is where i come from remember how some dads were like 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 hmm. is that a deluxe no 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 that's a new bass amp a new fender bass amp okay i saw the meat puppets play last summer and that's what he was playing you got one i got one i couldn't take it 
So, you know, I made it, man. I can buy what, what I want. A new tweed, new tweed. Yeah. All right, man. so your dad, so this is, how you, this is how this influenced your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just this idea of, like, having an appreciation for all the little tiny stuff. Now we can't get rid of it because we have this big house full of it. Yeah. You know, when someone goes, when someone goes, you know. Your dad's stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, my mom. See, yeah. it's a very interesting thing growing up. Yeah. That, you know, that which comes from the sea eventually goes back to it, right? Mm -hmm. So my dad would be smuggling shit in, and then my mom would just go cherry pick shit every week and go take it back. And here's this idea of my dad at some junk store. He had a whole network in northern Michigan. He had some junk store going, this is pretty cool. I'm gonna he already bought it, and she gave it back, and it's just back in the cycle. You know, that must have happened. And this is what we grew up around. So, you know. So when does uh, design start to happen so you, i mean you sound like you were involved in the the bmx thing and yeah, skateboarding, skateboarding so you yeah. did pools and stuff no 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 no. that's a little bit before us you know this is just out in front of our house and a little shitty you know but uh, you weren't like that guy you no 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 skating we, the bowls and no 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 we I, I i did a couple out west when i was of age when i finally got out there but you know you're in the middle of nowhere yeah and you're seeing the magazines from all these cool californias and that shit's on your wall yeah and you start thinking yeah. and saving yeah and getting the hell out like you know, right out of high school, I was 17. I got out a little early, you know, so I'm a senior, whatever. I went through the whole deal, but I'm an October kid, so I was a little young for it. And I got out, and I started college. I did two years to placate my mom and dad because I'm one of the first draplings who actually went to school, uh -huh. you know. And I remember just them saying, go, this is community college. Just go because we, we didn't get a chance to. So I did. All my buddies were moving out west. And I had to the do itch. what? Snowboard. Okay. I didn't Because there's no mountains, you know? Yeah. So we're going to go out there to be skateboarders and snowboarders and animals. That was, the, yeah. And, yeah, that was the, that, that was the future. We were, yeah. Well, this is what we did growing up on really limited sort of conditions and height and vertical, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Tiny little molehills. It's mm -hmm. Michigan. Mm -hmm. You know how you make a hill in Michigan? You dig a hole and then you put it like this and that makes a, a oh, nice right. hill, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. Michigan. Yeah. So. We've been watching, we're watching, and then we get the hell out of there. So I was 19 when I moved out west. Yeah. And uh, that would have been 93. And, you know. After college. What did you study at community just college? A, just a tiny little two-year associate degree. In what? I learned design. I learned how to, like, open the machine, open the programs, play with them, make stuff, draw, paint. Just a nice overview in northern Michigan. So I got that little bit out of the way, and then I had their blessing. And as soon as I turned 19, two years done, that's when we took off. We saved all our money washing dishes. Who's we? Uh, me and my buddies. Yeah. Bry and Derek and Chad and Johnny, yeah. about six, seven of us, all Eric Campbell. We all went out west together. Yeah. You know, my, my crowning achievement from my youth is leaving. It sucked. Tears. It's freaky. But the moment you get away from your mom and dad, your life explodes, you know, and you go all the way out west all the way to Oregon. We kind of, we kind of, we kind of, you know, jumped over, leapfrog over fucking Colorado because all of our buddies were already there. Because, you know, this shit shifts, you know, one year it's Jackson Hole that where all the kids are going. For snowboarding. Yeah, yeah, any of yeah. the skiing and sure. all this kind of bullshit. Yeah. All, you know, I don't, skiing sucks. Right. I know you need to do a little skiing. There's still time for you. But I tried snowboarding. It's, oh, a, it's hard to, to. Oh, come on, man. If you we invented it. Yeah. I'm so proud of that. You invented I, it? Well, we just got fucked with. Because yeah. what was cool at the time, assholes testing each other and like getting times and medals and shit and like expensive ski gear yeah and suddenly see this is what skateboard and snowboarding taught me like it's okay to be with your buddies yeah and to be big or weird or buddies with drug problems buddies but it also got me into punk rock and art and thinking for yourself that fucking rescued me because in my small town and that comes from snowboarding and it just came from yeah it just came from sort of being you know, kind of punk rock yeah fuck the old paradigm well just 
in that small town, if you're not in sports, you're not in nothing. I tried. Yeah. But fuck all that. It yeah. took a lot of guts to say no to it. Yeah. Because I had guys messing with me. Right. I had a big dead Kenny's on the back of my cutoff jean jacket. Yeah. I mean, I, I did that and I got messed with for it. Yeah. But it teaches you to be your own person. So y'all so gone. thankful for that. Sure. And that's where I discovered indie rock. Yeah. Sabados and shit. Right. 92. Right. Red House Painters. I brought my 20 best records today. I'm going to pull them out. You brought them with you. Yeah. I don't even know if I even want you even touching them. I won't touch them. You can They're hold mint. them up. Mint. Mint. <laughs> mint. A little bit of ring wear in there. Sure. This is, okay. Kill Creek, Proving Runner Cruel. Don't this, even know what that okay. record is. You don't, okay. This got me through a whole summer up in Alaska. This one Kill record. Kill Creek. Okay. This is a very rare record. Okay. okay. Sticky my fingers. favorite sure. Stones record, yep. just because. Ob okay, absolutely. My favorite Bob Seger record, Brand New Morning. This is the one that he says is always buried in people's backyards because you can't fucking find it. I don't know this record. This is when he was on Capitol. This is before he exploded. See, it's not cool like Bob Seger where I'm from, right? Because Michigan. Because you come from there, though. Right. But then you realize your uncle's around to something, man. It's Bob Seger. You can't find that. I've never seen that record. Very hard to find, okay? Paw Dragline. As, as grunge was exploding, this was they were putting their big money on this one. This is a great fucking don't, record. I've never seen it before okay, in my life. Okay, you're not, don't, you're not even allowed to touch this. Don't that even, I don't know. even like even fucking looking at it. It's still sealed. It's mint. <laughs> OOP, the classic flame and lips fucking transmissions from the satellite heart. Yeah, it, I don't even like. Don't even look at it. God damn okay, it. Okay, fine. Here is that I MC5. Got that a couple of those. Okay, okay. Sure. It's got the motherfucker on the inside. Yep. Just so you know, yep. for the listeners here, my very very famous favorite 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 red house painters record the jesus lizard you didn't get into the jesus no dude i'm gonna make you a list while you're here i'm gonna rescue you no, i should okay. go through all your records and no just it's all right it it, i'm, okay, I'm taking it in. every time that you have someone on talking about vinyl i always want to hear what are their favorite records man what are they what, what's their favorite shit but you guys are talking about you know uh, everything else i'll make right? note of that aaron i'll make yeah, note of that all right, all right. thank you for the note <laughs> But all right, so okay, so you go out, you got your two years of design, and you're gonna snowboard and skateboard your yeah. way to freedom. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Colorado was done, so you yeah. end up in Portland, all the way to Oregon. Yeah, Bend, Oregon, about yeah. three hours from here. Right. And that first day you're there, you know, it's a hill, but it's it's gonna open up in two in two months. But we have all our cash. Yeah. We lock down a place. Yeah. You know, and then that first night we run up, come up to up to Portland. Now listen, growing up in Detroit, you get your car stolen. Right? right it's like dangerous and shit right. yeah. or there's this sort of like shit hanging over you from like your uncles be careful where you going downtown or whatever yeah. right so we go see all these you know bands growing up and it was kind of sketchy right you come to portland you can park you can walk you can walk across town you can hang out the first night we get here we see this band called paw it's an old band from kansas right mm -hmm. and we had listened to their record all the way across the nation okay now, it could have been any other record, but that first night we come to Portland, it was just like, fuck, man, my life is starting. Mm -hmm. Two months from now, we're going to be up one of the greatest mountains in the world, Mount Bachelor, you know, being animals, being with my buddies. We're young, we're wild. And Portland is like, I don't know, it was like approachable. Mm -hmm. So we start coming up here every other weekend to see yeah. bands and right, stuff right, at La right. Luna. So that would have been 93, the fall of 93. Uh -huh. And then as soon as the snow hit, you know, we were up there every single day being snowboarders. You know, yeah, it was incredible, and you yeah. get this orbit, you know, and you're at the height of sort of your physicality too. You're jumping off pretty big shit because what we were doing back home was just smaller, right? And you get out west, and I had buddies who were becoming pros. I was never really concerned about any of that. Yeah, I just got to hang with those guys. Yeah, and we realized all of our dreams over the course of about five winters, you know. But you know, uh, I worked at a snowboard camp up here. You know, mm -hmm. one summer I was the only kid that was like a teetotaler. 
So I, I drove the hospital van. Kids would fuck themselves up, and right. I drive them down to Portland. Yeah. I drop them off at this little urgent care. Right. And I go to the record store because uh-huh. that's all you know. So I started doing that. I started going to Alaska to wash what dishes. What were you doing for a job? Well, for those first couple of years, I had pizza jobs. Yeah, and then I uh, was doing freelance art. So it was all analog. I was painting, drawing stuff, making logos, snowboard graphics for like local, local, small, small change things, and and bend. But really, whatever it took. But then I started going to Alaska because I needed a computer. So that was the summer of '96. And I go up there and I wash dishes for like a hundred hours a week. Where for five months, Anchorage. Yeah, uh, sightseeing training. Couple couple years in Anchorage, I spent. Really? Sure. My what dad. Years? My dad was stationed up there. When so you were like small. Yeah, sixty nine through seventy one. Seventy seventy one. What a cr- incredible place. I don't have my my yeah. recollections are limited to yeah. tone. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and a few weird in you know moments. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean I But I love it. It may planted yeah. a seed in me. Like I'm well, still see, very compelled by the Pacific Northwest because of the expanse. My first summer up there, listen, mm-hmm. I wasn't you know, listen, there's nothing worse than happy hikers. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Nalgene bottles, like those stupid pants yeah. that you zip down to shorts yeah. and all this kind of shit. There was one little record store in town. That was my only splurge. That summer I saved 10 grand. In Anchorage. That's, yeah, that's how I got a computer, right? Yeah. That's how I got access to design. Yeah. But you're up there and everyone's partying down and going ape shit. And, you know, I just, it just wasn't very like, I remember, I just remember one of the guys, one of the cooks saying, I know you want to go home. You're excited to go start your fall and get my computer at the end right, of the summer. Right. He said, but just so you know, Alaska's in you now. It's real poetic. And I kind of freaked out on him. I said, oh, man, I'm getting, this is just a summer job. Because that's really all it was. Yeah. But I got to tell you, man, I got the itch next spring just to be around that place. And mainly because it didn't get hot. It was beautiful. There was a good record store. And I worked a ton. You know? yeah. So that started basically being my way to pay for college, pay off credit cards, get ready for you know snowboard passes whatever to come back for you know and then when i got myself into school in minneapolis that's how i kind of got myself in was with that cash so you're doing some local illustrating you're, you're making a little money what they yep. pay you for the art yeah and they what it goes on Barely. a sign yep. or it goes on an I was, ad i was <laughs> i was lettering futon covers you know i was painting futon covers for a local place there i was lettering a chalkboard i uh-huh. would go and they give me a menu and i could you know, put their shit. What, daily? Once a week, and I'd take as much bread as I wanted back to the house, and we'd live off this shit, me and all my guys, right? Yeah. You know? Right. And I made, I mean, you don't need a lot. I was, right. there were six of us in a house or something, yeah. and your share is $117 a month. So you can make that in a cup, whatever, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you got to pass up at the hill. So really, what do you need? We hitchhike up to the hill. You know, we're all sort of eating communally, uh-huh. you know, or whatever. Uh-huh. It was just, I don't know, it was, Five winners that were really, really cool. Well, wait, at what point did you think, like, well, maybe I, I need to, to make a, a, a life for myself? Well, I think it was just seeing other guys do it, make these leaps, other guys that were allowed to go to school and get big, you know, degrees and stuff. And like come who? Up, well, guys that, would, uh, guys that would come up and work for snowboard companies. We started going to all these big trade shows. Right. So you make this Just leap. to see the shit. Well, you got to see the shit and see all the pros. Yeah. And then you also realize how small it is. Right. You know, and you, it's, you know the moment that you find out, you know how small your favorite band is or the politic yeah you grow up and i don't even want to know anymore because at 41 years old it, it hurts to hear these things mm-hmm. so we go down and we see these all the companies i was 19 20 years old talk about pool skating we got you ever heard of the nude bowl out in california no okay well this is one of the classics skateboarders yeah. listening to this shit would understand and listen i was i got i caught one grind that day right in the nude bowl scared the shit i mean this is 
the real deal. What does it mean caught a grind? You just caught. I just went up. I was just carving, and, right? And yeah. then come down, right? right? And as a man of size, I was with guys that knew what the fuck they were doing. Yeah. But I caught one grind in the nude bowl, and that's where I was like, I've I've reached my you know sort of you know, the Some pinnacle of doing this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I grew up doing it, but until you slam in a ditch in Las Vegas, going fast in these little banks, and your my elbow still hurts to this day. Yeah. You know, that's where you sort of realize. I was kind of done. Yeah. I was about 97. Okay. So it was basically, it wasn't really fun to snowboard anymore. Why? It, well, because it just became an orbit. Yeah. I learned the hill. Right. And I saw buddies becoming professionals. Great. Yeah. But I was drawing. I had my computer from Alaska, and I'm working. But in that small town, you're seeing there's like a couple guys that have it. Yeah. And I don't want to go and like, you know, fight those guys. You know right. what I mean? Like, you know, being a pecking order. I knew right. I was at the very, very bottom. They let you know. Right. So I just kind of. Tried to go a little bit above it. Went to a couple more summers in Alaska. A couple more winters. Kept laid low. I worked a ton on my own. It was all just for my buddies. You know, free, you know, freelance, fun lance. Just really just learning. Yeah. Right. But I I started looking. Were at you school. doing gig posters? Just for a couple buddies. Yeah. No, I just didn't know bands. Right. We'd come up and see all the shit here in Portland. Right. You know. Now we'd come up here and groups of guys would go see some goddamn fucking Offspring or something. Yeah. I'd be going to see the Jesus Lizard, right, you know. Right. I mean, the good stuff. Yeah. I'm so thankful, man, because yeah. you, you got to make a choice. Yeah. You know, are we going to see goddamn Girls Against Boys? We are. We're going to see them at a crusty little place, or are we going to see the Lemonheads? I kind of saw that stuff too, but we knew how to find the weird shit, right? right? Yeah. And Portland offered it, so uh, I'm told you got to go to school. Mm-hmm. So I go back to the Midwest because mm-hmm. I got to. Th- I got to get. I got to get out of the West. Cause you love the Midwest. I love it. Yeah. But I didn't. I loved leaving it. Right, and you go back there, and you see all this shit going on. And I went to little schools, and and so I didn't know what I had. I had a portfolio, but it was all just from a very, like, organic, just shit made. I made shit for my buddies. Yeah. So I show all this work, and I'm thinking they're gonna say, "Get the hell out of here." And the first school said, "We can't have you here because we want you to go up the food chain a little bit." So I just was like, "Ooh." Mm-hmm. So then I went to some other school, and I made my way up to this incredible school in Minneapolis, and they were the nicest people. And Minneapolis was the home of the replacements. Right. And the Husker Doos. Yeah. And then Chuck Anderson's, you know, Charles Spence, my favorite graphic designer of all time from the CSA Empire, Charles Spencer Anderson. What's his thing? It's big archive, incredible detail. My dad could enjoy their work, you know. What, what, the French what, like, paper company was one of the out of Niles, Michigan. Six generations of paper, French paper company. Yeah, incredible people, Niles, Michigan. Uh, what was their logos? It's so. I mean, there's so much. Oh, I mean, really? I can show you books upon books. But what Chuck did was he would go find all that dead, like sort of like um, advertising art and stuff, and would yeah. clean that stuff up. Yeah. and rescue it. And you know, then you could go buy it from an archive, so someone could buy that old stock stuff because some old guy would die, and then the, the you know. His work would die with it. But like, what do you, how do you use it? What do you mean? What well, are you, you would, rescuing? You would, so he, he would rescue sort of like like something you might find on like a uh, matchbook cover mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. So then Chuck would go hunt down the old illustrator, find a wealth of the stuff, buy the collection, clean it all up. Clean it up how? Computers and stuff. Okay. Scan it, clean it, but right. put it into a nice little book. I could show you the books. I got the whole mess here. As a resource. Yeah. Okay. Right? So... I'm seeing this guy. Now, what was cool in 1995, 96, 97, it was all that skittery, scrattery bullshit sort of. Sorry about the train, man. It's okay, sorry. man. Okay. Texture. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, all that, you know, post, post, postmodern, very highfalutin graphic design. Yeah. I was trying to emulate it too until I found these guys in Minneapolis that were like, I don't know. It was sort of like 
like I said, my dad could enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I could look at it. Yeah. Because it looked like, sometimes it looked just like something that you found out of an old popular mechanic. Sure. Like your poster. Love the poster. Because that was just meant to be just sort of an homage to shit that you find in a dumpster. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's no design. It's just meant to be stupid and then make funny copy for yeah. it. So that's what these guys did. And I, then I discovered these guys out of Delaware called House Industries. That you might you might be familiar with those guys. I you should be House Industries. That. But they did all sorts of typefaces. But what they did, House Industries and Chuck did for me. They made design look fun. Yeah. Right. Right. And somehow those guys made a living. All these twenty years later, I've been able to meet them and shit. Chuck's a bit of a mentor. I know the guys at House. We fuck with each other on Twitters and things. I send them stuff. They send me stuff. And you know, I went and knocked on the door because I was doing fall tours just by myself, you know, driving around. Because I'd see, I'd go home, I'd do, you know, I was in a minivan, road tripping back and forth. Is after mom and college, dad. after many all just every couple times a year, and I'd drive back and forth, and I'd go junk. But then when I leave the West, I went and hit like I went to Delaware. I've never been to Delaware, and I knocked on the doors of House Industries, and I have I have them built up in my mind as this big fucking thing. Sure. And the guy answers the door, and he's kind of surprised. And we're still buddies to this day. They let me in. But see. Well, what was it like? Was it disappointing? Were you no, surprised? it was like six or seven guys. But it was the best work in the world. It was the power of design, right? Yeah, right. What I knew of it as a fan attracted me all the way to this little place in Delaware. Right. And then they were cool on top of that. Okay? Yeah. Because listen, I'm not going to name any fucking names. But I did that with other guys I was into, and they weren't cool. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So when you start to stack up the dicks from the good guys there was a certain design sense to the good guys yeah and that's what really changed me yeah and because it wasn't about who was the most fashionable it was about the guys that were it wasn't necessarily just about being fun it was just there was a certain charm uh-huh and they still did the job uh-huh. you know so and you uh, like the work i, I gotta got, assume there's not a lot of kids that show up going like i love you guys well they they freaked out yeah. because it's somewhere in their fucking yeah, you know yeah. some of the materials it said show up so i did right you know and that's what happens to me now man oh that's they like, come oh, yeah, yeah 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 and i make sure that i'm sure it happens to you right you know yeah you know make sure they come to my house axe murderers or whatever well, you know, hard, but, it's hard to tell sometimes but we're okay i've had a couple guys come in here that were a little Mm-hmm. off yeah but i was real gentle and just had to kind of say hey, you gotta go man yeah but that scared me too yeah because those guys let me in and i try to make the same thing now when there's the you know the role you reversed. felt that they were dangerous or just a little a little too much well, those guys who came to my shop yeah. here they're just a little off yeah you know you could tell feel them it. it's time to go what are they, they looking they, for why'd they come in well they're fans for my website or whatever yeah. or the way i write or the way i talk or the way that i would write them back mm-hmm. i've written all the kids back man mm-hmm you know yeah it happens i know people always say there's no time for that shit right but i made the time all these years you know so okay so you go to to the college in minneapolis yeah and now you know you got more confidence yeah you find uh maybe you got a little style happening of your own yeah yeah. and there's also a reaction against what was what was cool at the time too you know yeah see i go back to minneapolis and it was a lot talk about style man kids were getting jobs with i mean dripping Whatever the latest bullshit was. Yeah. But I wasn't really into that skittery, scrattery. Remember the movie Seven? Yeah. In the start of the movie, sure. it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's what was in high right, fashion. Right, right, right. So kids Not were learning. Not your thing. Not your well, thing. they were learning how to do it. I could have learned how to do it. I liked the grid. I liked logos. I liked old maps. Yeah. That you, it still worked. I mm. liked things that uh, worked 40 years ago and still worked. Yeah. And that might be the roll of toilet paper. So see, you know, you, you got to put it like a, you know, you got to tell you what diameter it is and how many more rolls are left. That's called being a tradesman, right? Right. So I wasn't trying to go <laughs> be the hot, hottest shit in town. I want to get a job. I got made fun of by a teacher because 
when you're doing Minneapolis one, yeah, when you were doing one of your reviews yeah. and it was like, well, what do you want to do with this with what you got going? You know, and I said, I want to go make a living. And that wasn't a big enough answer. And it was total bullshit. I, I had I was scared. I had loans. I had things. I had stuff. I paid for myself to go. I got a big scholarship somehow from these guys, which was incredible. But it was very pragmatic. Right. I'm learning a skill set, and I'm going to go get a job. And wherever I land, I'm going to be good with it because it beats fucking washing dishes in Alaska. Right. Right? Yeah. That's not what they train you for. They train you to go to the – everyone's you know, measuring dicks trying to get to the coolest place in town, which was called the Walker Art Center, which is incredible. I got to do my, my talk at the Walker Art Center. Right. That's the coolest thing in all of Minnesota. But one or two kids got to go there, you know, and work and get the big job. Mm-hmm. 98 or 99 of the 100, they went and had jobs at 3M and Cabela's and just regular things. In Target, house. Whatever you want to get. Just yeah. regular jobs. I was okay with that. You like the ma- 3M logo? Oh, yeah. It's a classic. I mean, I got, I got made fun of that. I got made fun of for that shit, yeah. you know? Because it wasn't, you're supposed to go work in L.A. or New York. Be I part was, of the what's happening now. I was, just, I was excited to stay in Minneapolis. And then so, I threw it all away and went to fucking Southern California. Wait, well, how'd that go? You, that, you were going for a job? Yeah, snowboarding magazine. You got hired? I got hired. To yeah. do what? Well, a bunch of guys I met from uh, camp yeah. in summer 95. Yeah. This is about 2000. Right. So getting done with school. Mm-hmm. And I got courted to go have a, like a real job. And then, and, then, and then I get this little hook. Oh, fuck it, San Clemente. Ugh, Orange County's the yeah. worst. Sure. But it was the mag I read growing up, and I couldn't say no. So I, got, I took this job. I go all the way down to California, throw my life away in the Midwest, and I'm immersed back in snowboarding, right? What are you doing? What's your job? Art director for a snowboard magazine, okay. laying out magazines. Yeah. You know? So I got a stack over there of about 25 mags from that two years I was yeah. there. And I got to work with all my buddies at snowboarding. And it was, you, know, you get there, and it's supposed to be this big professional job, but you realize it's just seven or eight of us like a group, like a like a little like a little gang, because in that hierarchy of where the, the, even the building we're in, yeah, surfing's the hot shit. Right. I don't step in the ocean. I'm from Lake Michigan. Right. Okay. I don't yeah. do very well on a beach. Yeah. Okay. Fucking, they're the cool guys, and we're the scumbags snowboarders. So there's like a chip on your shoulder, and you know, you, you get to come in and you learn how to make a magazine, which is about a month long. Did you, you learn know? how to do that? You didn't have any idea. Well, I had a little bit of idea of like just sort of publication design, but then you get there, and it's page by page. So I learned how to churn out a lot of stuff and fast and be efficient work well with all my buddies still be the dark cloud that i was and you know uh, uh, uh you know constantly challenging myself or freaking out or not liking living in california man i tried to go to la and go see that shit i went and saw well i saw mercury rev one time i mm-hmm. see some, you know mascus all these sure. years i've been a dinosaur yeah, fan. yeah yeah i remember one time leaving fucking orange county and you know five and you try to get up to what trocadero or something or whatever yeah it was, tr- not, it was not a truck what's, what's the troubadour troubadour on sunset. Four hours yeah. of bullshit. Four hours. To get up there. 80 miles because there was an accident. There's sure. something. You got to get rerouted. That's where I just knew. This isn't, I don't care what, this, what, what, what uh, riches are here. No, that, that's what will do it to you. It's, a, it's the same with me. It's like, this is never going to end. It broke my heart. The traffic. I, I, could, <laughs> I just didn't get to see my band, you know, Mascus or whatever, you know, whatever it was. Because you know? of bullshit. Because it was just like fast and faster and fastest and everyone's like there's a hierarchy who's the good looking ones you're i'm with a bunch of surfers man i get okay. that but you didn't get to see your band because of there was a traffic i, I know problem. but what i'm getting at is you're just you're you get this awesome job yeah. with a great group of guys right, right and then you're in a place where it's 90 fucking degrees every day and i'm like i'm near tears pulling up to my job every morning you know because it was just like i want to be back in minneapolis where it was gritty yeah and but i you know i did the mag but you get down there and as a midwesterner I didn't, I didn't quit the job. I got offered a job within two weeks at another place 
didn't take it. Did my two-year stint, you know, with my guys, and then I got rescued back to Portland. But see, that's my first, like, job job, you know? And it was like, I was an art director for a snowboard mag, you know? And we got to see the mag in supermarkets in my hometown. You and you know? did it. I did it. Right. My greatest stories. I just went home for the summer yeah. in a couple weeks. You know, I got picked on as a kid. Who did Right, yeah. And I remember one of the guys that got one on me. You know, he, got, he was good looking. He had hair on his back. I remember that. Yeah. I was, I was young. I was 12 when I started high school or whatever. Yeah. I was 13. And he, he, he got a couple on me. Yeah. I remember one time. I went back for my 10-year anniversary. Yeah. You know, reunion? I, yeah, reunion. Yeah. And, you know, you're, I, I got to bring back a whole pallet of magazines. So I go to, uh, you know, somewhere. Some, I don't know. I went to some sporting goods store to get something. And I'm going through the line, and he's the guy ringing up. Now, listen, I have nothing against guys in sporting goods stores for a living. Right. But I look, and I go, well, hey, what's going on? He says, oh, look at you. You know, something to me. Yeah. Now, fine. And I, he goes, well, what are you doing? And I go, there's my, my mag in a it's rack. Not, I go, I'm the art director of a snowboarding mag and just fucking walked out. Anyway, <laughs> fuck that guy, but I got to say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was just like poignant because um, I went out and I had, that was already, had lived out west as an, I snowboarded with my buddies, you know? Mm. And then I did it pretty gross along the way, you know? Got my school done. It was that moment where I realized I kind of did it. Yeah. And I was making. 37,000 bucks a year and not having a cent left over. Yeah. You know, but still could make it down to California. Yeah. Pay well, my rent a, and shit. That's a good feeling to, to pursue something that you love and you believe in and, and then you, you nail it and then you got something to show for yourself. You just don't really know yeah. if you're ever even going to make it and you're okay with that. You know, right. somewhere in Alaska washing dishes, I could always go back to that. Sure. You could go back <laughs> now, probably. <laughs> I would love to go up there just to quit. I have yeah. these fantasies about it. Just to fucking leave them high and dry. Because I wanted to quit every day, Mark. In every the middle day. Of it, in the middle. Yeah, man, in the middle of a run. Yeah. They fucking stop the train, and you're like out and where like the guy died. That mechanless guy died out in the woods, you know, it's a, in the wild or whatever. Yeah. You know, that kind of yeah. shit. Yeah. We used to drive by that like two or three miles. And I always had these fantasies like, just fucking stop the train. You get to stop to let trains pass. And I'd be like grabbing my Walkman. I'm just going to fucking hike out to the Fairbanks Highway or whatever, you know? That was every meal shift because it just Where was hard to be doing this to... dishwashing. On a train, I was on a train washing dishes. We'd pick up all these old people, and they would, you know, on these big boats, princess tours, yeah. on the big cruise ships, love right. boat. Yeah, we get them on the love train. We pick them up five in the fucking morning. We'd feed them a couple meals, and we'd work our way up to Fairbanks. Yeah, and I'd work what, sixteen hours that day. Anything past eight hours is overtime, right? Uh-huh. So you're making good money. And then everyone's stealing and shit. It was real fun, you know. Yeah. And you come back the next day, so that's two days, 32 hours or something. And, man, you got a whole work, you know, four days worth in those two days. Take a day off, do it again. Now, I would work extra shifts. So I'd work six of eight days, you know, seven of eight days. And I did that for five, fucking five, four summers. You know? So you come up here to Portland after you go back home yeah. victoriously and, and, and <laughs> teach that guy at the sporting goods <laughs> for a lesson. Yeah, well, and what brought you he back up dick. here? He was a dick. I got a job. Now, I was telling you about my buddy, John, over here. He, goes, he actually goes by Goo. But Goo called me and said, hey, we're called Cinco Design. We're looking for guys. You're in the industry of snowboarding. Do you know someone who want, want to come up to Portland? Do you know a young kid? And I said, yeah, man, fucking me. Get me out of here. <laughs> so they flew me up. Yeah. I got to see Portland. Yeah. I didn't care. I, I didn't care, you know, how much money. It was just like I got back to Portland. Yeah. 
and they were it was a, called Cinco Designs it's, to this day there was about 16 when I went there yeah. there's probably 70 people there now it's an incredible place in town but you know you, you get there I'm instantly you know, I get into this place I instantly have to get on the plane to go back to California you know like a couple weeks later you know and it was like Why? fuck we work for Nixon Watches so you know, you know you ever heard of Nixon Watches no okay well this is the oh I know yeah, yeah I remember Nixon. yeah, yeah. yeah this is Encinitas yeah so this little brand. They were an account. Yeah. Yeah. So you got this Cinco design, mm-hmm. and you go in, and they are inventing these little brands. Gravis shoes, Nixon watches. These guys are coming up with these great ideas and saying, go. They make the logo. They make the whole look. We're making shoe boxes. We're making watches. Mm-hmm. So I got to work on the Nixon account right away. I mean, this is one of the cool, today, t- t- you know, still, is one of the greatest action sport brands. They're way bigger than that now. Yeah. But back then, they, they were the pinnacle. And I get to work for the place that makes the stuff. It was incredible, you know. But, you know, I did that two years, and I also got to see, you know, like meetings about meetings and emails about emails. And, you know, just we played, we played ping pong all day and shit, and it freaked me out. You know, But you great. did some work that you're well, proud I, of. I worked my ass off there. I'd stay late. I were you that. getting recognized for your work? Uh, not really. It was never really about. No, we were just. I was making a good living. Yeah. I was making great money there. I think I made sixty-five grand, man. Yeah. And that was a lot for. I was thirty, you yeah. know, and I had my school out of the way, and I had already snowboarded. So I had some credibility to that shit. I'd lived it, you know, because you meet some rat fuck kid, and you're like, he's gonna size me up for being big or being out of it, and I'll say. I lived in the mountains for five years, and I did that shit. Yeah. And then they'll be like, "Well, yeah. you know, whatever." What's the What's the alliance between like what you do and the advertising industry? Oh, that's a little bit, a little bit different deal because they come to you with. I, I don't. I wouldn't know, man. I've been so lucky. My gross little path. We worked on small brands, right. but we'd make advertisements. But that's a little bit different. But so that means that sometimes you're working for a company, and, and you might have to deal with the advertising company sure, they hire. Sure, sure. I mean, there's all kinds of elements. Right, right, but for the right. most part, here's this job making yeah. a good living, right. working for cool with with your friends. But you know that kid gives you the job from you know Burton Snowboards or whatever the hell we're working sure. for. It's still cool stuff. Now, okay, so you hit the wall after two years. Two years. And what do you do? I quit. To do what? Get free. Yeah. That's where I got free. That was 2004. And what'd you do then? I went out on my own. I saved a bunch of cash. I bought a little house. I uh, tricked out my basement. I, uh-huh. had, I had two little clients that were starting, Cole Headwear and Union Binding Company. So uh-huh. this, these are two little, so snowboard bindings, and then headwear, like hats and beanies and shit. Uh-huh. And these are friends that are starting these things out of Seattle. Right. And I'm going to do the graphics. Right. So here I am at this single design where I'm watching these guys invent these Nixons and stuff, and I get to do this. Very small scale. Right. So that's enough for me to put my month in over there, jump out. My mom and dad freaked out because I bought a house. They're like, why are you quitting your job? Well, right. Yeah. Because that's just what, it's not what you do in the Midwest. You work forever until, you know, whatever. Right. Until you break. So I, I jump out, you know, it's 2004. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, start this uh, 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 Draplin Design Company, right? Whatever that meant. Like, I didn't even have a business. I got a business license three years ago. That's a little secret for everybody who's listening, but I didn't even know you had to have one. Right. I just started working on my own. And that first year, I started to make money. Mm-hmm. I saved the fuck out of it. That little house I bought took me five and a half years. I paid it off mm-hmm. with graphic fucking design. <laughs> and working, there's been some big ones, but there were a lot of crusty ones. Because see, that little union binding company, a little coal headwear, you get a nice little you know what, retainer. Yeah. The next year, you get a little more. Yeah. Like, Five percent. How how long is what's the longest you've been with one client? Ten years and ten years union and coal. These Still. are my brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, have you been like uh, like I imagine in your industry that like any other industry, there 
their like recognition and like you know you have these mentors of yours have yeah. they sort of like uh, have you been like uh, uh, Aaron Draplin's the, the made guy he's a- well I think because of the tour you know I'm a bit of an entertainer these days Mark uh-huh. and I have gone fucking everywhere how what many you- shows did you do last year a lot I did 41. That's great. Well, what do you do out there? What are you doing? <laughs> so listen, I worked on clients for these five or six years. Right. When I told you how I moved in here, yeah. that's when we, we kind of we started, you know, I brought all my clients in here. And I, I mean, I go back and look at those folders. There's 50 folders a year. That means there's 50 different jobs a year, right? Yeah. Of which two are big retainers. Right. A snowboard mag called Snowboard Mag that my buddies and I started. Yeah. And, we, you know, started like compete with the old mags we worked for we started that thing here in my fucking basement yeah sold it and shit when we were done with it i mean just basically just to pay everyone back but these are small crusty little brands these are indie bands if you will yeah that that started to become real you know so i did that for a number of years and then i got my first invite to go and talk so i'm coasting along i'm saving money i'm working on stuff i can't blur the line between whether or not i even like it because they're my friends and it's making logos, and it's making good work, and you're getting paid well. Everything was incredible. And uh, this guy, David Carson, is a big, big fucking name in graphic design, like has books written about him and shit. Yeah. He dropped out of a, of a gig, and these guys said, come and tell your story to us. That was 2009. So I did. And I went to Savannah, and I told my story, and I was scared shitless getting up and you know, holding the mic and all weird and sweaty yeah. and the whole bit. Right. But that's where it started, and they liked to the talk then. And uh, we're five years in now, so it's been 192 shows. It's great. I've gone everywhere. And you're talking to yeah. design students. Design students, yeah. conferences, right. nerd conferences, coders, going to big agencies and just kind of riling them up. You know, and I got, you know, I've got some stories. I've got some tall tales. You know, that's why I call it Tall Tales from a Large Man. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they look at me as this big animal. And then, and I am, but then there's a couple stories that really freak them out, you know, and I, I can't talk about them on here because you got to go see the live show. Sure. But it's just kind of like they're expecting, you know, action sports things and yeah, stuff and all yeah. the bullshit I've been talking right. about for years. And then I hit them with these things and they flip out. So, you know, it's meant to be fun, but I've gone everywhere talking. Tell me about, you know, your dad before he passed and your mom, is she uh, around? Yeah, my mom's around. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, I just saw her two weeks ago. Yeah. So. Was he able to enjoy all this stuff you put he put yeah, inside yeah, your yeah, head? Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. See, okay. I would take... See, my dad was funny, yeah. right? So when we stubbed our toe when we were kids, the first thing he'd say is, should I call a tow truck? Uh-huh. Now, listen. Yeah. I mean, bad jokes. Yeah. But also, he was known for putting his hands on some lady and saying, how many more months till the baby's done? And then she wasn't pregnant. She was sure. 48 years old. And my yeah. mom would get all pissed off. But he played Santa Claus mm-hmm. for, like, poor kids. Mm-hmm. So he was gregarious and funny as shit and you know i got to you know he got to open up a couple of my shows would you call dean last night he was like the, what do you call it like the he's the opener what do you yeah, call it? Yeah. the, the, the pro- feature act okay yeah. my dad was my feature act Featuring for you. Oh, and he great. told jokes here's one of his jokes right he said yeah. what's the difference he goes this is a joke for you guys are into color theory and graphic design and he says what's the difference between pink and purple what the grip <laughs> get it yeah you're the guy who writes jokes. The <laughs> grip. If you fucking squeeze that thing, oh, it's yeah. pink. Okay okay, 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 okay. This is in front of 200 people. How did and it my da- well, They kind of gasped, but my dad was telling jokes. Yeah. And he was still like, looking at me. I'd say, yeah. He wrote his stuff out because we grew up. Oh, man. We have so many jokes. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's what I remember from my dad is like 
all the bad jokes growing up. Yeah. It's just the idea that my this is what we grew up around mm -hmm. and my dad entertaining our whole family, us. It's very quiet in our house now. Mm. Because my dad, you know, he just, you know, I don't know. Anytime you're working on math, he'd say, have you learned your gazintas? Mm -hmm. And he'd say, gazintas. He'd say, yeah, two gazinta four, two times. Well, where does he get this shit? <laughs> you know? I mean, these are old. They're like, because he was a salesman. Sure. And he went to tool shops with tough, Harley-looking guys. Yeah. In town here, the kids play that kind of thing. Right. And motherfuckers make websites during the day. They got right. the look. My dad, we were raised around those guys. When you go into a tool shop, you break the ice, and he knew all the jokes. So remember, like, when the shuttle went, blew up and shit? Yeah. My dad knew all the Christmas McAuliffe. You know, it's just, yeah. it's a currency these guys would know. Sure. And he would be on kind of stage with these guys. So, you know, that's, like, you know, that's what I remember. You know, I, I've got his last joke he told me, mm -hmm. the best one. You want your, yeah, go ahead. Fuck it, let's do it. Okay. He says, hey, Aaron, you hear about the uh, two mountain men walking in the woods? Yeah. And I says, yeah, yeah. He says, guys walking. He says, hey, man, how you been? The guy goes, oh, I've been hunting, fishing, and trapping. He says, uh, he says, uh, uh, hey, I'm having a party at my cabin tonight. The guy goes, yeah, I'm having a party at your cabin. What's going on? The guy says, oh, it's going to be great. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be fighting, fucking, sucking, eating, playing cards. The guy goes, shit, sounds like a good time. Who's all going? He goes, oh, it's just me and you. <laughs> yeah. That's my dad's last joke. He told me that the day before he died. Now, I never heard that joke. So to bring him in here, yeah. he would dig and he would see all my dead shit, yeah. go through my drawers and just say, did you steal this from me? I said, yeah. You know, and we'd have this full circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He taught me that. He taught me how to clean things up when you're done with it. That's the anvil. You, you know, pound out all the metal pieces. Yeah. You know, all these other things. My dad taught me how to change brakes and change my oil and, you know, stuff that dads teach kids, you know. And yeah. if, I, if I need to, I got a Volvo now. It's beautiful, you know. Yeah. And I don't need to, have to even do that shit anymore. But it's like, you know, that's what he was from. But more importantly, just toss out a laugh. You know, I know it sounds a little kind of almost kind of corny, but it's like right. I'm so fucking thankful that my dad, when buddies would come over, my dad would like pull him aside and like, how you doing? Like hug him. You want a beer? You want a sandwich? You know, whatever. My dad had a, my dad had a, fr a fridge with 100 beers in it because you never knew when Wisconsin was going to invade. Got Pizza, you never know. <laughs> 100 beers. And he wasn't a big drinker. Right. But it's like those little things. It's funny, yeah. You know, and like some of the dads I go meet, you know, they'd be like pissed off that you parked in their driveway, yeah. you know. So your, your dad just had good spirit. I had him for forty years, so you know, I was all afraid that you'd be like, go look at my shit and say, what about your dad? But man, I had him for forty years, and man, we are saving so much on groceries, so things are good, man. Oh, good. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> what do you do after someone dies? Where does he go? Does he? Is he? Is he just on the other plane or you know, or just on the other what planetary? You know, like cosmic. I, after my dad died, I don't really care what any of the superstitions are. I started to go read about the cosmos. Because if you go in one direction forever, that's real. You know, I like how crazy you go on the thing and you talk about what you're into and how weird you are and all the neurotic, this shit. I've had no time for that because I've just been out 14 grigam miles away, you know, wondering, where is my dad? You know, did he go to a, a higher plane? When you died, does he go? Because we were on a plane when he died. We were there on a plane. Uh -huh. And he died, and I got to say goodbye to him in front of 350 fucking people. You know, and it was like a Viking kind of thing or something. What do you know? mean in front of 350 people? He died on a plane. We were flying back from Minneapolis, and we get taken off. And my dad kind of started to get... So 
Just so you know who you're fucking with, I'm a Delta Diamond flyer these days. Yeah. Just so you know. Okay. You Delta Diamond? No, American Platinum. Someday you'll get there. Okay. But I get all these first class upgrades now because of how much I've been going on the, on the gigs. And that day, uh, I got to upgrade to first class. So Lee and my mom and my dad are in the back seats and I get upgraded. So, so I said, Dad, you're not feeling good. Go take the front seat. And he does, you know. And the plane takes off. And he just kind of, you know, before it took off, he said, I'm just not feeling good. I'm a little queasy. I just want to get back to Portland. Because what it was, we were back. I was doing my biggest show I've ever done for this AIGA show in Minneapolis. 2,500 people. Yeah. Like a fucking symphony hall, man. And I did my talk. I had 30 minutes. I did 45 minutes. Went over. I guess it's called killed. I got a standing O. And my mom and dad, they're in the, fuck, I don't want to do that. They were in the crowd. And I got to see it. So, all right. Because they tell you at the moment, they say, you know. When you see the light, we're going to take your picture for the DVD. All right. So you're supposed to do this. Put your hands together like the girl from Facebook did. You know, these yeah. smart, smart people. Uh, from my moment, I just went, Dad, I told you. Right? Because I was fucking with my dad. drove a, a Tempo, a Ford Tempo station wagon. And I showed a picture of him with this piece of shit station wagon, making fun of him. He loved it. And the next day, he fucking dies, right, on this plane. So we, we're, we're coming back from Minneapolis to Portland because they were out here visiting us here in Portland. I'd bring him out every three, four months. You know? Yeah. And the plane takes off, and he just kind of slumped, and my mom was there, and he slumped, and then they're checking pulses, and the, you know, what do you call it, stewardesses, and the whole deal. You know, these, this woman freaked out kind of, and you know, they're all medical whatever, but it's like he died on the plane. They were doing the whole deal, and, you know, I was right there. Helped him get off. He was a big man. I helped him get off the seat onto the ground. There's all the people behind us praying and shit. I don't really remember all of it, but I was got Was there to, a doctor on the plane? some kind of veterinarian oh, or something really? but she knew the basics yeah. of the, the vitals yeah. and they were like counting and you know here's the worst moment of your whole life with your dad but it's oddly okay because i had him you know what i mean it sucks because i wish my sisters would have been there if that's the way it's got to go we had to call them when we got off we had to, they had to land the plane in somewhere in montana because it's an emergency and i'm thinking you know there's going to be like a fucking ambulance that comes and picks him up and he's going to be on life support or something because they're doing that stuff. You press it on his chest and they got him sort of stabilized. He had a heart attack. Well, he died in the air. And they do that so we don't flip out, I guess. Right. They land the plane. I, I, a fireman came up to me and just said, I'm sorry, son. We lost your dad. And I went, you know, I just, you know, I didn't lose it. I just went and laid with them and kind of said, hey. I got to be with my dad when he fucking died and yeah. say goodbye. And then he dies and they put him in a fucking ambulance and you guard him yeah. because you know, oh, it's my dad. And he was so fucking cool to Northern Michigan. And there were 500 people at his fucking funeral. funeral. Yeah. And Carol from the fucking UPS was there and she'd say, your dad would come in every Friday. And he'd say, he'd make sure there was a line. He'd fill out the paperwork and he'd say, Carol, are there two J's of marijuana? <laughs> That's a joke, right? <laughs> and she was crying. So they, they had a good sound send off. You had that moment. Is it awkward? But you're beautiful. Very, very weird. But you know, I, I talked to him every day. People send photos and paintings and things of my dad because I celebrated him on my website. Yeah. I celebrated him on my fucking arm. That's my dad. Yeah. You know, he was incredible. My mom, Lauren Draplin, is just as incredible mm -hmm. in a different, quiet way. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad, he hogged the fucking limelight. Sure. But you know, when your mom when when your dad goes like that. It really made me think just how wonderful my mom is. Sure. You know? Yeah. Because then, you know, 
it's just weird. We go home now, and it's just it's just real quiet. Sure. My dad always had a tiger game going, yeah. making soup. He would cut each bean twice for two farts for each bean. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, now that I'm on a comedy podcast, I'm trying to talk, you know, because he was fucking funny. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful, man. I mean, it sounds like you fully integrated the spirit of your old man and with respect yeah. and, and uh, reverence. I got to show him. You know, sure. I, he saw me. And the hell of a hell of a night that last night. He saw them in these things. You know, he yeah. he would freak out. My mom would print things off of you know the websites yeah. and see. So for those years, I mean, it's, it's been a year and a half, but and I'm not counting days. But I got to share this shit with him. And on top of that, you know, I'd go home. I've done well. I've saved it all. Yeah. So like, if he was watching his tire game on a small television, I go to Best Buy, buy him a big fucking 58 inch whatever yeah and freak him out because you know it it flipped my mm -hmm. dad took care of us so well and, and now that's fucking you know, beautiful dude. i took care of them beautiful. i still do beautiful well i i think that's uh it's beautiful the whole thing just really fucking amazing and you're doing amazing stuff well thanks man appreciate you coming in here I gotta thank Lee McColi, okay? Yes. Okay, I gotta thank my yes. little sister Leah and Jacob yeah. and Oliver. I gotta thank my mom, Lauren Draplin. Yeah. I gotta thank David and Goo and everybody else in my life. Thank you guys. Lee McColi, everybody. Big fan of WTF. Lee McColi, she's gonna go nuts. Okay, the show is done. Good talking to you. Thanks, man. Compelling guy, that Aaron James Draplin. Cool stuff, too. I love those notebooks. But, like, it, it was a. Uh, that's fucking touching, man. He's a good dude, self-made dude, and uh, interesting guy. I hope you dug it. What do we got here at the end? I don't know. Maybe go to WTFPod.com. Get some, uh, get some JustCoffee.coop. What else? Get on the mailing list. Get the Howl Premium. Check out the shit. Huh? Do what you got to do. Guitar, maybe? You want to do a little guitar? Do I have a pick? I've been playing with going straight into these amps. This is the uh, the Black Beauty into the Little Beast. It's a 65 champ. That's what that is. That's what you're going to hear.